Fandom University. Every other week, we deep dive into the topics we love and obsess over. Comics, novels, movies, sci-fi, and video games receive the elevated discourse they deserve. With your overworked TAs, Sean and Sergio. Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Fandom University. My name is Sergio. My name is Sean. And we are continuing our Batman Burtonverse 89 uh, Reevesverse. I don't know. We're just talking about Batman. And we've kind of, uh, we've kind of sort of focused it in on the Burtonverse, the first two movies. And this episode, we'll discuss the Batman 89 comic book series, which acts as a direct sequel to those two movies. Uh, but we're also in the next episode in a couple of weeks, we'll be talking about the, the new Batman movie, the Batman that it doesn't have anything to do with any of this stuff. No, but Batman 89 and the Batman were sort of con- uh, co-contemporaneous Batman events in the last few months. So they kind of gave us an excuse to talk about Batman. This is not the first time we've talked about Batman on the show and I doubt it will be the last. Is, yeah. As, as great as a character he, as he is and as, as many, uh fantastic uh iterations and yeah and stories that have come as a result uh yeah like i say this probably won't be the last time that we yeah. uh, t- that we talk about the uh the dark the dark knight of gotham city the caped crusader the world's greatest detective the batman vengeance vengeance <laughs> uh so yeah so batman 89 acts as a direct sequel to Batman Returns. And so you get, uh, you know, what looks like Michael Keaton as Batman. We get, you know, uh, what looks like Michelle Pfeiffer back as Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. We get Billy D. Williams, what looks like Billy D. Williams back as Harvey Dent. Uh, we also get introduced to Barbara Gordon for the first time. Uh, she is actually engaged to Harvey Dent in the storyline. Uh, and you, I, I, I think I had heard about this, but had forgotten. But you asked if I thought that Barbara Gordon's, uh, the way she was drawn was a nod to Sean Young, who apparently has so uh, like a sordid history with the Batman film franchise. Yeah, she was originally cast as Vicki Vale for the 1989 Batman movie. And I think she was in a horse riding accident and like hurt her back and couldn't had to drop out. So when they announced they were doing a sequel and that Catwoman was going to be the the female lead in the movie, she apparently, and I don't know what her thinking was on this. I don't know if she was entirely sober. I don't remember. Um, she apparently stormed the Warner the Warner Brothers offices dressed as Catwoman and had to be escorted out by security. Um, apparently, Tim Burton was hiding under his desk during this whole incident. Like, um, what's crazy about it is that she feels okay enough about it that she talks about it on the uh, DVD Blu-ray extras. Like she is actually interviewed and tells the story and laughs while she's telling it. So like this was not completely unhinged and, un- and this was completely normal behavior. She's an actress. Yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, this, this wasn't like crazy ex behavior where like you fear for your life. Um and that's not gender specific. That's just any crazy ex. Yeah, right. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, I feel bad for her because like, yeah, that, that, was, that would have been huge for her. And her career hasn't really, like, I'm trying to think of anything she's done um, 
Like that would have been a really high profile thing. The last high profile thing I can think of that she was in was the original Blade Runner. Well, I mean, she was uh, Lois Einhorn in Ace Ventura Pet Detective. With the police chief? Mm-hmm. Oh, she, okay. the uh, Ray Finkel. Ah, she was also in Dune, 1984. She was Cheney. I forgot about that. Uh, actually, I, I am completely unfamiliar with uh, her work aside from Blade Runner and Ace Ventura. That's that's as far as I'm as far as I know. Like that's all she's been in, and and really, like to me, that's that's a hell of a career. I mean, you were in one of the greatest, not only greatest sci-fi movies of all time, but just greatest movies of all time. Period. Yeah. And then also you were the bad guy uh, or villain, uh, the bad gal, I guess. Or I guess bad guy, too, because uh, like the, the plot is that well, this isn't an Ace Ventura arc. We'll get to that sometime <laughs> in the future. And our Jim Carrey arc uh, but, leading up to the release of Sonic the Hedgehog 2. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. So Sean Young does this and uh, is that's that's not OK. Um, but yeah, so. Batman 89, like I said, acts as a direct sequel to Batman Returns uh, because, you know, Tim Burton didn't, he has a producer credit on Batman Forever, but he wasn't asked to return to direct Batman, the third Batman movie, uh, mainly because the second Batman movie, as we talked about in the first episode of this arc, uh, Batman Returns wasn't as well received as the first one. Like the... um, the anticipation was obviously much greater because of, you know, Batman. The, sequel to Batman. Yeah. yeah, it was, you know, it's it's going to be great. But it was so dark and it was uh, and very and more violent than the first one was. The first one, you know, for for, you know, for a movie about a crazy guy who dresses up like a giant bat and fights a killing clown, killer clown uh, is the 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 violence is more or less comic like book-y. yeah more or less like stylized cartoonish comic bookish uh but the the violence in batman returns just is was it's more unsettling and i always point to the scene where um penguin attacks the ice the, the winter queen or the ice queen whatever that's right yeah the ice queen with the with the batarang and then also when penguin bites the guy's nose <laughs> yeah and so as a result like you know mcdonald's pulls it's uh happy meal toys that are that's coinciding with the with the release and you know while everyone went out and saw the movie i don't know that there was because it made significantly less money than the original than bat than its predecessor i don't think that many that many people were going back to for repeat viewings right yeah um it <clears throat> yeah I, I i would agree with that 100 percent it I mean, I remember being a kid and not liking it nearly as much, feeling kind of like grossed out. Like that that nose moment in particular really bothered me. Um, the penguin as a whole, I just thought was really gross. Like that shot of him like floating under the water after he's dead and there's just blood coming out of his face. Like stuff like that. Yeah, the, the first movie is relatively family friendly while also being adult friendly. And the second one is not a kid-friendly movie at all as wonderful as i think it is um i can definitely see why they backed off on that and why they maybe were like hey tim burton you want to do something else for a while i mean yeah they definitely felt warner brothers definitely felt the need to course correct and be like okay like we need to get like the we need to get the kids back in here like we need to start making uh something that 
uh, will sell toys. Yeah, that will sell toys. One will you know have you know kids bugging their parents to go see it over and over again, with that we can sell you know you know VHS copies of, uh, and so they definitely I I mean I would say they like overcorrected and went way too cartoonish. Um, not to say I mean yeah, and then Batman Forever is just not a not a very good movie. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but yeah, I but I remember when I was twelve, it hit the spot. I mean, again, when when it we worked. talk when we talk about our Jim Carrey arc, we will discuss Batman Forever. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, uh, and so you know, uh, he, he plays a Riddler. Uh, apparently, like Robin Williams was sort of courted for the role. So was and, Mark Hamill. And yeah, because of you know because of his connection to the Batman universe. Uh, but actually, that's exactly what um, why that, that fell through. Cast, yeah, I think, and. Uh, yeah, apparently Robin Williams found out that he didn't get the role like in like variety or whatever. Like the trades is what it says. The trades, variety. Uh, yeah. And so uh maybe the Hollywood reporter. Yeah, maybe. Um but yeah, it's not a I don't I doubt it's a great movie. Like I mean, I the, out of all the this all the stuff that I loved as like a 12, 13, 14 year old, a lot of it doesn't hold up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but it, I remember the general attitude in the air, at least the, the, that I was seeing. And granted, this is basically a pre-internet age. So it's just what I was hearing around school and was and on TV was people were like, hey, Batman's back. Yeah, it's you know? fun again. Batman's fun again. Right. We love this. I remember, yeah, them playing the VHS tape on a loop in the Starlog store at the Parks Mall. Yeah, the it other. was. Yeah, it was bright and colorful, uh, you know, exciting. Lots like- of quips. Like, yeah, even Two-Face, who historically is a, like, very serious villain, is, like, is doing some sort of, like, variation of the Joker at this point. Yeah, he's he's more cartoonish than the cartoon version of Two-Face. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Um, what's crazy is that Michael Keaton was originally, you know, he was, you know, going to do a third Batman movie. And then read the script and like you found out the direction that Joel Schumacher was going to take the film and just dipped out like, nah, I'm good. Was he even turned down 15 million dollars to do the movie? Integrity. It's something it's you're going to tell me I, I can't fathom any timeline where Sergio Hernandez Esquire <laughs> is turning down $15 million to pretend he's Batman for six months. <laughs> well, I don't know what he earned on the first two. So at that point, 15 million may have been like, okay, that's a nice payday, but also like, I don't need it. You know, like I already have more money than I know what to do with. I mean, or, yeah, if, I, if, I you, if you don't at that point, if you, have, if you don't up to that point, you, you certainly do then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, but it's, yeah, it's definitely integrity. I mean, and what's crazy is he's he's he's, he's going to be back and playing Batman again in the Flash. Yeah, so. yeah. So good for him. I'm yeah. I'm actually excited to see that. That's I'm I'm very interested to uh, to see him reprise that role as old man Bruce Wayne. Another casualty of the transition into the Schumacher verse is the Catwoman movie that was supposed to be made. You know, we we alluded to um like there's no pay uh in the in the end of batman returns you see catwoman's head sort of pop up and there's no payoff to it like there's never any payoff and the payoff would have been her own solo picture which um was 
I don't know if it was going to be as dark as Batman Returns, but it was definitely in, more in keeping with that tone. You know, it was right. going to examine the Selena Kyle that we were introduced to, the sort of like feminist, um, like I'm going to like kill my boss and like you know, sort of like uh, not only like just like feminism, but sort of like you know um, radical feminism. Yeah, like I mean, like just sort of like um, uh, not not radical, proletariat. Yeah, <laughs> like proletariat. Uh, you know, ideal or like uh, fantasy of like of killing your boss. You know, I remember once how well I was watching. Um, uh, force awakens and or it might have been i can't what what the one where finn fights uh phasma captain oh that's the last jedi yeah phasmagoria whatever uh yeah and uh my uncle walks in and says that's every american's dream getting to fight and kill your boss uh (laughs) your old boss um and so i would have been like yeah it's it's pretty good uh what uh what a sort of been in keeping more in line with those sort of like that sort of tone and the writer, and like this is quoted several different places. The writer says that he turns a script in for, he turns in his Catwoman script, his sort of like, you know, darker, more adult, you know, you know, leaning more, more adult Catwoman script the same day as Batman Forever opens. And everyone's like, you said, like, Batman's back. This is what we want. This is the Batman that we miss, you know, bright and colorful. And he's like, that shit was dead in the water like that. <laughs> like, yeah, they're like, we don't want this at all. And yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer was supposed to come back. And Tim Burton was actually attached to direct that for a while. Uh, and then sort of as it sort of languished in developmental hell, uh, he like, you know, he left the project. Michelle Pfeiffer left the project. Um and then it eventually somehow became the Halle Berry movie that everyone uh, knows, but probably hasn't seen. I don't know for as I've much never seen it. Uh, for as much hate as that Catwoman movie gets. I don't know anyone who's actually seen it. Yeah, me neither. Should we watch uh, it? Probably. I mean, I are we really Batman fans if we haven't watched the Catwoman movie that yeah. Batman's not in? Can you call yourself a Batman fan? A Bat fan? A, a, a Bat fan. An, uh, uh, an acolyte of the bat sons of the batman is that what they called themselves in dark Knight i Returns? think so yeah sons of the bat uh yeah i don't think you can i don't think you can i don't think we can and i think we'll be watching catwoman in our near future so uh we never got to see uh you know sort of the payoff of any number of things that Batman and Batman Returns set up as a result of the change in direction that Warner Brothers took the Bat the Bat film franchise, and and you know it almost I, and I it's one of those things where I can't help it's like sort of um, it's short sighted, you know, trying to get the quick easy money because they do another movie like the in the same vein as Batman Forever and kind of ratchet up like all the stuff that that they changed from the first two movies, right? And like, that's historically like one of the worst comic book movies of all time. <laughs> yeah. And which I, like killed like the character for a good while until none other than like it had Christopher Nolan himself had to revive <laughs> the character. With, yeah, the, the super realist rooted um, Batman Begins. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember. And, and Batman Begins actually, I think, still suffered from the lingering toxic effects of Batman and Robin because it didn't do that well at the I mean it did okay it but it didn't do like huge numbers it wasn't 
like it was it was almost for for a major tentpole release it was closer to like a sleeper hit like you know well, no, and- yeah i mean because I mean, at this point, you know, we had seen just as many bad Batman movies as, as we had seen good. So this was kind of a toss up what we we're going to get. Right. I mean, I was excited because I'd seen Memento and Insomnia. So oh, yeah, was, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I had a good feeling about it. And uh, but but yeah, I could see how your average person. would. Be. I remember my dad seeing the trailer. My dad loves Batman. Batman's his favorite superhero. And he's like, that looks awful. And I was like, you're you're high. And he wasn't he, he, he was not high, but um. But I was like, this looks amazing. <laughs> My dad's a square. Yeah, dad's a, dad's not hip. Um, I was like, you're not actually high. You're just lame is what I'm trying to say, dad. <laughs> you're not with it. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, 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 it was. And that movie sort of quietly, you know, gathered steam so that when the Dark Knight hit, also, you know, in the Heath Ledger of it all, um, that became the first Batman movie that really felt like a cultural phenomenon since the 1989 one. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember going to see it opening night with you, and it was just like, it felt like Batman 89 all of a sudden. Like, that summer, everything was Batman again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, we have this comic book. Yes. (laughs) uh, We, uh, like I said, when we planned this arc, we, uh, at this point, the fourth issue had come out. This was, like, late last year. Uh, late 2021 and we was like surely by the middle of march we'll have um the entire the series will be out the whole six episodes uh, six issues <clears throat> that is not the case we are still four episodes or four issues in still waiting on the last two they're supposed to come out um beginning uh sometime in april yeah of 2022 but uh however i think we've we with, having read the first four issues we we got a handle of of what the story is and what it's trying to do and we have opinions as always there are opinions to be had yes so the basic story is uh it's i mean it's it's the story of harvey dent and and two-face uh you know harvey dent is back as a district attorney he's trying to clean up gotham uh he's involved in an accident which turns him uh which you know disfigures half his face and as a result sort of has like a like a, a, a mental break and turns into the dichotomy uh, obsessed villain known as Two Face. Um, you had described the you described a series before we started before we started recording as an anachronistic work because, and I and I and I asked you like as a, after I read the first couple of issues, like how much of today's political climate, like you know, how much of this is like a, actually like this is what I wrote in you know 1993 like this is you know this is word for word how the script would have been uh, and how much of it was adapted for today's political climate because it seems like pretty woke af right in as much as it's actually using language that is to talk about social inequality and um race racial just you know social justice um it's using terms that you would hear now, but that, and I'm not saying they didn't exist in 1995, but they weren't part of the popular parlance at the time. Yeah. You weren't going to, you weren't going to see a major Hollywood movie, like comic book movie uh, discussing this sort of stuff for sure. Yeah. I mean, you really, I mean, up until like black Panther, you really, you still don't see it. You you didn't see it um, until, until then. Right. 
yeah yeah exactly black panther was the first to actually address it head on um so it it's it's interesting i mean like i I like what it's saying. I like what it's doing, but I also like am something about the fact that this is supposed to take place in 1995, but it's using language from 2021 to do it. I don't know if I were 15 now, you know, if I, if I, I would care, but as somebody who actually lived through all of this and supposedly the target audience for this book, I would think. Right. Um, it, 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 I don't know something about it like strikes me as off like and I because I and I hate saying that because again like I like what it's saying I like what's on its mind but I also don't know that Batman 89 the nostalgia project is or at least that maybe there would have been a way to do the exact same thing but to use language more in keeping with 1995. Yeah I mean it it felt like yeah like they it felt like like the like you said the ideas that are being presented like what it's trying to say isn't anything that's that's brand new you know the the sort of like social and racial inequality has been a part of this country since its inception and so it's nothing that that um it's nothing that uh would you know that should strike anyone as as sort of revelatory however like you said like the language it's using and the how it's framing these um these issues feels very much 21st century and very much of the 2020s rather than you know late 20th century where you know you definitely didn't see like rich white dudes like bruce wayne like talking like you know speaking the way he's speaking uh, about talking about like taking generations to, exactly like yeah. you know generational like uh, injustice and generational trauma and stuff like that uh, right you know that's just that you know you, you see that you hear and see that now but you know in 19 in the mid 90s that that what that wasn't a thing for unfortunately well and for better or worse tim burton's work has never been super socially conscious you know his work is more about aesthetic and, and and vibe well and 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 people who feel like outsiders but not at the like the it's more like the lonely white guy right outsider right. or the hot topic kid outsider like edward than, scissorhands yeah exactly edward scissorhands is the perfect tim burton movie as white as they get yeah exactly <laughs> they don't get any whiter um but um so I, I feel like that too. It's like, at, you know, at what point are you actually sort of trying to give us like, yeah, here's what it would be versus, hey, I have this opportunity and I've got this box. So this is where I'm going to, you know, make my stand as a storyteller. Um, you know, so... I don't, I don't know exactly how to feel about it. Like I'm not, I wish I was more enthusiastic about it than I am. I like, I feel like maybe my own latent racism is, is coming out or something. I'm like, this isn't what Tim Burton would have done. You know, it's like, what, I mean, that's, uh, you know, on one hand, like, like you say, like we absolutely champion, like the, like what's being said. 
but it doesn't feel genuine as it's supposed to you know it's a sequel to batman returns and you know there are none of these issues uh pervading the first two movies but then again like harvey dent himself doesn't play a huge role in the first two movies like that he shows up he's in the first movie he plays a role but it's more like a sort of um um uh like a character who like that you know about in the universe like uh like mr zaz in the in the dark knight trilogy right like you know who he is but he doesn't you know it, you know he's not really uh, doesn't really play a role in the plot and that's sort of you know harvey dent in in the first batman movie and then he's not in batman returns right no yeah not at all and so you know examining you know the these ideas through the, through his framework through that lens you know and might make more sense because if you look at batman returns you know you didn't have that feminist look like ideal in batman you didn't have that right. feminist rather uh, like you know um, uh yeah like sort of lens. Uh, lens or or slant um you know the closest we get is you know vicky vale wearing like you know a pantsuit to work and glasses um but then again like she's like then she's wearing like a prom dress to like the dance and <laughs> and then gives the, up gives gallery. up her career to be with bruce and then you get a character like selena kyle and you know tim burton's like okay i have i have a, i have something that i i want to say through this character and so, then yeah. you know with harvey dent you know that's something you know i have you use could be argued like they have something to say through this character that couldn't have been said through any of the other characters previous. That's true. And that's a good point. I hadn't considered well in the fact that, you know, they'd originally cast, was it Marlon Wayans who was cast as Robin? Yeah. Yeah. Which is like absolutely bonkers to me. Like we could have lived in a world where Marlon Wayans was Robin in Batman returns. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That, that, and I, I like that they kept that for the comic book too. The I I like the Drake character, um, you know, and and I feel like I like that he and Harvey are sort of the two like poles that this is kind of like orbiting Bruce Wayne. So you're, I think you're right. You're right. It is sort of taking the same thing Batman Returns did and kind of taking it to the next level. Maybe sometimes stumbling into more modern usage that's anachronistic in terms of its language, but in terms of its storytelling, it's yeah, that's a good point. Well, well, well put. Ha ha. You just but turned yeah. me around on this. <laughs> but no, I, I I love the Drake character. Um, I like um like he feels like he feels genuine in a way that I can't really explain. Like and it still feels period appropriate. It does feel period appropriate to me for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's by far my favorite stuff in the book is with drake and i'm really i really enjoyed you know sort of the scenes with him and bruce together and kind of the way that their partnership starts and grows feels very genuine and makes sense for the character for both bruce wayne you know and how he would end up with a robin in this world um yeah as opposed to like um i'm just gonna show up at your house my my parents are dead. My family's dead. So I'm going to show up here. <laughs> I'm a grown man, but I'm going to sleep at Wayne yeah. Manor for a while. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm kind of sorry that that. I mean, 
Chris O'Donnell, I'm sure, is a wonderful human being, and I loved him as Robin when I was a kid, but I'm sad that this isn't the Robin that we got, like, in the movies now. Um, absolutely very, very exciting. And the the book, to me, is at its most enjoyable whenever you're watching him do stuff, like, you know, finding ways to thwart people, like the giant paint bomb. Yeah, for sure. Pretty great. Um, uh, one thing that kind of bummed me out and i understand why you'd go this way but turning harvey bullock into like a racist yeah you know whenever like to me he always struck me more as like a ron swanson type in terms of like acts relatively conservative probably has conservative political values but that doesn't extend to race necessarily like he doesn't i don't know does that does that make sense i mean his partner in the comics was montoya wasn't it or not yeah. the comics the the the, the, the animated, animated series. series and i mean it's one of those i was actually i was fine with his portrayal just because it's it's sort of in keeping with like he was never really he's never been really portrayed as like the best cop and you know, he always seems to have like a chip on his shoulder it definitely. And so it, it definitely seems to me like like he's in a situation uh, that he feels he can control through might, through force and, you know, goes to that extreme. And but I mean, then and unfortunately, that's that's, you know, that seems to be uh, all too common uh, nowadays. And, you know, it's, it, it's you know, he's. In, you know he's not like burning a cross or anything but like there's some def there's definite sort of uh prejudice there with the how with how that character is written in batman 89 and uh and that might be in like you know and we got a testament to um something that didn't see like that seems out of place in a mid-90s like mainstream comic book what would, what would have been a mainstream comic book movie is sort of like this look at um like institutionalized prejudice within the police force right that you know many people knew existed but you know back then but wasn't it didn't have the like the spotlight on it the way it does now and so that might be one of those things that sort of you know lets today's sort of political climate seep through yeah well and i didn't watch gotham well i watched the first couple of episodes and i think i'm Harvey sorry Bullock, you and me both um i but harvey bullock in that show was kind of a bad cop like he wasn't a good he was crooked he was um so i mean it, it's more in keeping i guess with a more recent portrayal I think in the animated series, he didn't like Batman and was always out to make Batman look bad, but he was actually a pretty good cop. Um, so I, I guess that I probably extended him more um, more than maybe he deserved on account of that. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense why you would pick him to, to, to be the mouthpiece for that. Um, since he is sort of the mouthpiece for the idiotic brute force side of the police department, yeah. even in the cartoon. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Harvey Dent's portrayal. Um, I really enjoy. He's um, 
he's the, the story of a you know kid who grew up in a rough part of town you know um you know made good you know put himself through school law school and has come back to you know is trying to help the old neighborhood as much as possible you know like uh, always you know tries to deflect any um criticism that he's forgotten like where he's, his roots like where he's come from uh and generally seems like he's trying to do what's best for the city and what's best you know what's and what's best for like i said the the neighborhood he grew up in and uh there was this really and i don't know how how this would have looked on the big screen but there's this sort of like ghost of christmas past sort of scene <laughs> where um like two-face essentially like you know the, the two-face persona is taking harvey dent through like a sliding sliding doors like uh look at his life where like you know there's there's one there's one world there's one timeline where it wasn't your mother that was hit by the car it was you and you died and didn't even get a chance to grow up there's another timeline where you didn't stay home that day to that night to study you instead went out with your homeboys whenever they robbed the the liquor store or whatever it was and you know you ended up going to prison for the first of many times you know there's a timeline uh where this 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 that and the other happened so and that's used to explain like you know i don't know like the multiverse that um that's gonna show up like you said like you know in uh in batman flashpoint or batman flashpoint uh, the flash flashpoint you know with you know with michael keaton as batman um but yeah i have no idea how that would have been how like looks great um in a comic comic book book. yeah i don't know how that would have looked in a different medium though and um, I, I, to me, that's also something that I feel was not, you know, obviously not adapted for, you know, to, to, co- to really like, um, be more in keeping with today's like social norms and mores, but rather, uh, something that, you know, works better in the medium that it's in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it, I don't think that that would have been done that way in a movie like the Batman I mean, there are flashback scenes in uh, the original film. There's the flashback to Bruce's parents' murder. Um, yeah. But I feel like we'd probably have gotten something. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. It, it, it's an interesting thing. And I guess it's, you know, how do you actually show that duality on screen that makes it tough? I mean, they didn't do a very good job in Batman forever. <laughs> um you know and um well i mean yeah he's not really two-faced at all he's just like a guy who he's like he's like a mobster who happens to like who's half his face is all messed up right yeah exactly <laughs> he's a pink monster um <laughs> he's a pink and purple monster yeah uh, and the aaron um eckhart aaron eckhart yeah. version of the character in the dark knight doesn't really seem to have a psychotic break not not in the same way that like the one in the animated series or the comic books or even this version of Harvey Dent seems to have. So we haven't really seen how you would handle that in a movie. So it's, it, I mean, it works fine in the comic book. And since this is a comic book, I think it's, I give it a pass. Also like the, the spoil, should we talk about the, the, we can cut this out. If not the fake out in issue three. Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, there's also a pretty large fake out sequence in issue three that I think would have really 
been jarring to movie audiences like that's the kind of shit terry gilliam did in brazil <laughs> um the only other time i've seen that done in a mainstream movie was in romeo and michelle's high school reunion where there's an extended sequence that turns out to be a dream mm-hmm. where like the reunion goes perfectly in their heads um and it's like a pretty from what i remember a pretty lengthy chunk of the movie um but i yeah i i It'd be interesting to see how that actually would have played in a theater in 1995. I mean, some of the moves that it makes is like it's it's it would have been bold for a for a comic book movie in the mid 90s. That's true. Yeah, it's it's taken some big swings, um, which is one of the things that's nice about putting it in the comic book medium, right? Is that it's since it isn't a hundred million dollar production or whatever you know the 1995 dollars version of that is um it's it can do pretty much anything and it doesn't cost nearly as much um and it gives the writer a little bit more room to breathe in the story do you want to talk about batman himself in this we've barely touched on Batman. uh that's in keeping with how much about about how much he's in the series itself (laughs) yeah yeah, it's really Harvey Dent's book. Yeah, it's it's really like Harvey Dent 89. Um, yeah, Batman's hardly in it. Um, Selena Kyle shows up. As, uh, you know, Catwoman shows up and then Selena Kyle shows up. Um, from what I understand, Selena Kyle is running a um, like a fake like cybersecurity company. Yeah. Where she's like using um, she's using that front to get information. Um, but what's great is like she's talking to Barbara Gordon and she's like, oh, I see that you started off at Shrek Industries. Like, it's a terrible thing what happened to Max Shrek. And she says, I think about it every day. And I could, I could just picture <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer's delivery. And like, that's a, that's a great fucking line right there. It was. Um, yeah, Batman, I mean, again, like the it's in keeping with the trend of the Burton Batman movies where Batman isn't in Batman Returns very much, right? Like it's very much the Penguin and Catwoman's movie with Batman sort of popping in from time to time. So I guess that's not, like that actually is something that's probably more like what we would have gotten. But I do miss, like Batman is not in the book very much. I mean, like Bruce Wayne is in it quite a bit. Batman is not. Um but when he does show up, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. You know, it's, you remember like why, um, why you like the character. There's one, there's one part uh, early on in the series. I think it's in the first issue where um, a, a person dies as a result of Batman's uh, presence. Yeah. And that, and, you know, and so Bruce Wayne goes back to the Batcave and he tells Alfred, like, he's like, I screwed up. I screwed up bad. And then that sort of gets dropped like that. Like, you know, I thought that was going to be something that, you know, would eventually, you know, well, lead it, like tease like him, like giving up the cow. But well, I think instead what it's teasing is him sort of trying to do right by because it was the older brother. Right. It was the the kid who stole the diapers. Right. Yeah. And so, like, wanting to, realizing that, like, things weren't going well in that, na- so that sort of gets him in deeper with that neighborhood with Harvey Dent, which sort of puts him in contact with Drake. So it kind of ties him closer to the story of what's going on in that neighborhood. 
Yeah, for sure. I thought I just thought that it would be it was going to be more along the lines of like what was going on in the dark night where, you know, oh, Bruce yeah. Wayne's like, like, you know, like I can't save the Gotham city doing what I do, but right. this person can, you know, like, right. you know, me running around in a black suit, you know, punching you know, mentally ill uh, people who think they're killer clowns in the <laughs> face you know, isn't going to save Gotham, you know, somebody with, you know, Harvey Dent's integrity is going to save Gotham. Um, but I mean, it definitely ties him in, like it definitely, you know, plot wise ties him into that neighborhood and those, that cast of characters. But as far as like, sort of like a existential, like idea of like, you know, what he's doing, they, they kind of drop it pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, there's, there's the whole thing about him being wanted. And so he stops dressing as Batman for a little while. Like there's that whole sequence in issue two, which is how the kid gets onto him where he like pulls on like a ski mask (laughs) and runs into the building to try and help. Um, So yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. Um, I wish I could see how it's going to turn out because like some of the 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 pensiveness i have about it is like well how's this gonna wrap up um yeah we're we're two issues out we're about 64 pages away from figuring out how this ends and um yeah i mean i don't see how it ends in such a way that really gives it you know um, for me like you know gets my opinion of it anything beyond like a just like a passing grade like i don't you know i was hoping that it'd be like you know the you know the, a home run like you know like wow like this is the movie that we could have seen of only right. and i'm like oh hey this is fun this is like some cool like elseworlds shit like all right like this is fine yeah yeah it's and i think i think that's the danger of um the nostalgia project right is because it's so such like for me the donner cut of superman 2 right like mm-hmm. was one of the big what ifs of my young adulthood because i you know i i figured i'd never see it and then somebody finally put it together and it's like oh okay you know and it's obviously not a finished movie so it's like it's not really that different or different enough from superman 2 as it exists in fact i think superman 2 is a finished film you know whereas the donner cut is not which sucks um but you know it's um that's always the tricky thing when you revisit something beloved i think um and try to and try to pick up where you left off i'm i'm trying to think of places where it's been done 100 successfully and i'm sure they exist but i'm kind of coming up blank now the third Um, bill and ted movie oh yeah that yeah okay that was a lot of fun that the third bill and ted movie was excellent (laughs) was not bogus not one not one bit was that was excellent (laughs) um so yeah so that's that's our opinions on batman 89 um if you have the dc infinite app is that what it's called uh dc universe dc universe um whatever it's called uh it'll eventually make its way on there the first issue is on there now um i don't know if you can if you can figure out a way to maybe like read this on the cheap maybe if a buddy of yours has uh has come as the issues uh, in his comicsology account perhaps perhaps you know uh it's definitely like you know not not a waste of time but i don't think it's anything that um 
that you know you should really seek out if you're hoping to um sort of feel like six again yeah like yeah i feel like you know like you know wash the memories of batman forever and batman and robin away from your mind it's definitely won't do that because like i said this is it's yeah, like you said so the nostalgia project is is tricky and uh this pulls it off as as well as um as you know not one would hope but as 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 what you know we usually see which is you know it's 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 fine it's good but you know it, it does it's not anything that's going to it's that's a game changer by any mean by any stretch yeah yeah i would i would agree with that i'd, I'd kind of liken it to book of boba fett in that way yeah like there you in go. terms of enjoyed it satisfied you know but um it's definitely better than batman forever however oh yeah 100%. i will yeah i will say that i mean it, if you know if if your mark if the idea of like the if the sort of um marker is like you know well is it better than what we got yes absolutely 100 percent, without a doubt it is better yeah is it what we perhaps were unreasonably hoping for as mega fans of the tim burton batman as children that's a harder yardstick to to meet and i don't sure. know what it would have taken to meet that to be fair so um yeah i i i, I agree with you you should always agree with me because i'm I mean, always I, I, right I, I, I usually do don't i this is probably the least contentious podcast with only two dudes <laughs> hosting <laughs> uh who have opinions uh, well yeah. thank you so much for listening uh we'll be back in a couple of weeks to discuss the batman as yeah. well as you know just batman writ large with our good friend and professor andy davidson who is a lifelong batman fan fanatic uh he would probably uh state and so yeah we'll just be discussing the movie itself and the character and sort of get into some uh, some just like you know some skullduggery as as we are known to do here at fandom university it's gonna be fun you can find us on uh social media on the twitters uh the gmail just go to um linktree slash fandom you podcast get all those um get all those links they're also um you can find most of that stuff in the show notes too if you're interested uh we are like the least um like socially social media savvy podcast like you're like um we kind of forget sometimes to tell people to listen to listen to our podcast which is fine i mean this is essentially we're not doing it to get famous this is essentially like what we would do like this is just like a text conversation that sean and i would be having anyway we're just like sitting in front of microphones and recording it right it's sort of an a structured way for us to um hang out despite our busy schedules exactly so uh but having said that if uh you wouldn't mind telling a uh someone uh, suggesting the show to somebody who might enjoy it uh we'd be much obliged thank you so much my name is sergio mine is sean be kind to yourself and to each other Look, we can only advertise so many boner pills. Right. Blue Chew and Hymns and Roman. And other knockoff stuff from like Taiwan. Yeah, stuff that doesn't actually work. Tiger Punch. Like stuff that is 
not just not only is it not FDA approved, it's actually FDA disapproved. The FDA is like, you should not be taking that. Please do not put this in your body. 